Welcome to Sunflower Living, a podcast that believes that life is always worth living. I'm Abile. And I'm Linky. Welcome to our working philosophies on life and living with a mental illness. Before we get started, a note. We are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So today we are going to share a little bit about our journeys and we're going to do this in a series as we really delve into how we have experienced mental health. We talk about it in each episode, but right now I think it's important for us to kind of start at the beginning and, and, and really just see where we've come from and where we are at now. Exactly. And I'm totally excited. There's a bit of like nervousness too, because it's like, ah, oh, do I really want to mention that? But then simultaneously, I think it is for the benefit of, you know, everyone and people who may be just beginning their journeys or at the end to just be like, yeah, I've been there too, or I'm just getting there, you know? So let's start with perhaps your diagnosis. When did you get to a point um, where you were first diagnosed? So, you know, I think my mental health journey or the, 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 the concept was introduced because like, you know, I exist in a society where you're either fine or you're crazy, right? There's no kind of like bridging in between. So for me, it was really scary initially to think that, oh, there's something wrong with me. But then, you know, as time went on, it was like, oh, these are sort of like very human things like there are these chemical imbalances so my initial diagnosis was um, borderline personality disorder with um, an anxiety disorder and then as I grew older so throughout my because my psychiatrist was very clear in saying that um, you know I had to grow up so that not like in a mean way but it was like okay you're a teen and this is a very like transitory time so, you know, we need to be able to establish that this is not just teenage angst and that there is an actual chemical thing. So, you know, that was my diagnosis for a really long time. And then when I was 18, we went back to the drawing board and it was like, okay, this is what it is. You have major depression, psychosis and a generalized anxiety disorder. So that's, uh, it's not, it's not like a, a very quote-unquote impressive list but uh, these are the things that uh, I I live with or learning to live with in some instances what was your initial reaction my initial reaction was like I, I don't know what that means it sounds cool but I don't know what that means because it's like you know when you're younger there's this the, you have a very kind of black and white idea of what the world is right and then when you're introduced to something like borderline personality disorder, especially when it's a possibility and not like a, a clear cut put down thing, then it's like, oh, okay. So there is something extravagantly wrong with me and I need to just accept that and lean into the connotations of quote unquote crazy. I really struggled with it. It, it, it filled me with a sense of dread and confusion that I don't think you know, I've ever really experienced since, but yeah, that was my initial reaction. It was kind of like this knee jerk, like, wait, what? If you could share with us, what yeah. was your lowest moment? Oh my God. I had a lot of low moments, but I think I come back to, um, 
you know, there was a point in grade, I want to say grade, grade nine or ninth grade. I think it's, it was a lot of things, but every single, my low moment, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. My low moments differed. So a low moment for myself was, I think when I was 13 and when I really could categorize just a sensation or a feeling of, I am never going to come back from this is yeah when I was around 13 years old like obviously I'd had very like sporadic um instances of just feeling like oh this this is awful but at 13 and again at 15 those were times where it's like yeah I just don't want to do this anymore I, I do not want to be alive and that is it and I think it was almost as if part of why it was so not exaggerated but it felt so much bigger than me was because I I was you know you when you're when you're a preteen you have this conception of teenager as oh freedom oh I can just do whatever I want and I don't have that many responsibilities and I can just go hang out with my friends and that wasn't the case for me so it felt as if you know I had to really contextualize these really intense emotions at such a young age and I didn't know how to do that. And a solution was to just no longer exist in my mind. But simultaneously, when I think back, it's like, yo, it's, it, it's a place you never want anyone to experience. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And thank you for being so open about it. To take it a little further, have you had any other suicidal periods, suicidal thoughts since then? Or do you feel that your treatment program has strengthened you? I think it's a bit of both. So definitely there have been times where, I mean, even, I don't want to say recently, but in the last like two years or so, it's like, I, I don't really want, I don't think I want to live, you know, because it's like so many things seem like it would just be made so much easier if I just was no longer a part of a part of my own life but also it, it, it's always framed as if oh I'll be less of a burden if I do this and it's actually a lot better if I do this so you know my suicidal ideations vary by way of you know sometimes it's just a passing thought and then sometimes I really dwell on that but I think what is assisted with my when it comes to my treatment is that I'm able to compartmentalize those things and know that Yes, I can think about it, but the danger is when you start taking the steps and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rectify this. I need to call these people uh, to make sure that this and that and this is in order so that once I'm gone, then, do you know what I mean? It's like the, the, the sort of, when, when you start doing it practically and like in real time, that is when there's an issue. And I'm glad that I'm able to differentiate between those two. But, you know, I kind of just want to drive it home that, sometimes you just never know when it's going to spring up on you. You know, it's really important to be able to recognize that feeling that way is okay, but you can't stay there. The danger is staying there. And the danger is, as I said previously, is to become practical about it. And mm. yeah, I mean, that's something I, 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 I struggle with sometimes where it's like, do I really want to be here? Do I really want to be, you know, involved in, not just like the ever evolving yeah like obviously you know life will go on i will turn 30 40 50 but do i really want to still be participating in 
how my mental illnesses will evolve with me over time you know because you hear the rhetoric that oh it gets better as you get older but sometimes that's just not the case and sometimes I worry about yeah will I be able to do this for the rest of my life but thus far I'm not doing too badly you're not not at all and I think you've just shown so much courage in pressing on and and pushing through those moments so um really I applaud you for that um in terms of your treatment what do you think has been the most impactful talking to my people really speaking to my psychiatrist and psychologist to be like okay do you know what I mean because like sometimes I think we are I don't want to say at the mercy of our um, medical our medical health professionals but I think sometimes we don't ask enough questions or we don't investigate what certain diagnoses mean right like we don't look into you know like the same way that someone who is recently diagnosed with diabetes would be like you know just looking into okay what is it I should eat what is it I should um you know should I take pills should I inject do you know what I mean when you have you know, a disease that is not seeable to the human eye, but it does really affect your day-to-day existence. We, for some reason, there's like a, a, a resistance to being like, okay, but what does that mean, right? Like, what does what what are the the implications of uh, a generalized anxiety disorder, and how does that interact with ADD, for example? And so, I think something that is really important is you have to ask those questions and you have to work with your doctors and not just kind of give up your your agency and be like well he knows best you you sort of just have to be like i can we try something else can we Mm -hmm. perhaps increase the dosage for this long because i mean that's something that I've, i've definitely especially when on my meds figured out is that you know for there's going to be a certain number of years that pass before dosage needs to be decreased or increased. But that's, you know, a pattern that I've shared with my psychiatrist and we work together on that front, especially because I'm not very good at sleeping unmedicated. And, you know, it was really freeing and almost, it gave me better perspective to be able to talk to my psychiatrist and psychologist and be like, okay, could we, you know, maybe do this, do that. Can we not talk about this right now? Can we move to this topic for the time being? So yeah, I think that's that's made all the difference. You know, just like openly communicating with the people that I have entrusted with, you know, my with, with my life. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely agree, especially just about asking those questions. I yeah. I think we have to take responsibility for ourselves and in that sense, be open and um, able to ask those, you know, willing to ask some of those, those hard questions. And, mm-hmm. and um, like you say, to the people who we've entrusted with our lives. There's a resistance to be like, oh, but they went to school. It's like, yeah, a lot of people went to school. You still ask them questions. It's, it's okay to just be like, okay, but what does, what are the implications of that? And is, are there alternatives that are not so extreme or meager? I hear you. I hear you. So my last question for you is, is there anything 
in the journey Mm -hmm. that one, you would do differently. Mm -hmm. And two, that you would, you had wished you had known. Mm -hmm. I think what I would do differently, um, is sort of not be as resigned to um, this idea that, like, I'm just crazy. That's fine. I, I really wish that I had, you know, been more active in learning about what it is and, you know, seeking out the knowledge to better function on a day-to-day basis and to like know that oh no this is not an impact this is not an impediment it's a challenge but I'm I can go on to do the things that I want to do with my life so and you know simultaneously I think I've learned to forgive myself in terms of well I was a kid and um you know, you don't, you don't really want to use the internet for like bettering yourself to a certain degree when you're young. You just kind of want to look into uh, your interests or find whatever bands or check out what the latest fashions are. But yeah, for me, I think that's something I would definitely do differently is to be really active in my own recovery and my own understanding of what it is I'm dealing with. And what was the second part? The second part is, is there anything you wish you had known? Um, I wish I had known that it doesn't stop. I I really wish I knew that, but there is no finish line. There's no end point. It's like, it's just a constant thing. And it's a constantly evolving thing. Like it's, it's just so like realizing that was very, not yeah it was very debilitating for a little bit but then simultaneously it was just like well what else is there to say you just have to keep you know working towards it finding new strategies if it does get worse or it does get better but you know it's not an option to lie on your laurels and be like yeah this is fine it's cool i can just you know internally struggle for however long so yeah, I think that's something I I would have liked to be aware of. That was just like, yeah, this doesn't stop. It doesn't. There's no magic pill. There's no magic amount of therapy sessions or um, psychiatric consultations in a week that make this go away. It's hard, but you can get through it. Thank you so much, Abby. I think this has been really insightful. And I think you've talked about areas in which like many people can relate to because the journey really is hard Mm -hmm. and you know as we like to say we can do hard things to encourage those listening that just as abby said this is a challenge it's not necessarily your entire life Mm -hmm. um in terms of how it defines you and so if you are struggling with your mental health in any way or capacity, please reach out to a mental health professional. There are many out there. We have on our Instagram pages and our Facebook pages, we have the information that you need to reach out to some of the organizations that exist. And um, again, you know, we just encourage you to be proactive in your mental health journey. And please send us any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover. We thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. 
we are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed on this podcast are our own. Our views and the views of any guests on our show cannot be construed as advice or should be used as medical recommendation. If you need help, please consult a licensed medical professional.